Well, good morning. I haven't spoken in front of a group in a long time. <laughs> so we'll work out the kinks today. I'm here to introduce our storyteller for the day, uh, a man who I consider to be a genius and competent and very tall. <laughs> and just to demonstrate an example of how quirky and immature I can be, every time I say the name Tim Streck in my head, I go, Tim Streck, and then I giggle to myself. <laughs> So, Tim, come on up and tell us your story. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Tim Streck, and I'm going to share my story. I was lucky to, uh, to grow up in a Christian home. Um, we attended church every Sunday as a child uh, down in San Diego. My parents uh, were involved with the student ministries at our church, and so a lot of holidays I remember having uh, foreign people join us for dinner. So maybe that's where my love for missions started. My first mission trip was actually with the Des Moines Methodist Church up here in Des Moines, Washington. When I was in junior high, we moved up to uh, Seattle area to my dad to work for Boeing. And uh, we went to, uh, to Mexico. But to be honest, I don't really remember a whole lot about the trip other than the Disneyland part. We had a lot of fun at Disneyland. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's because I didn't really meet Jesus until I got to high school. When Cindy and I first got married, uh, we worked with the church uh, youth. We worked with Youth for Christ in our programs at church, and we were super active with the youth. Um, it was part of our life. Um, we moved up and lived in Kent, Washington, and went to a little church there, and that was our home, and things were great until I decided to join a cult. Yeah, I joined a cult called Apple Computer. <laughs> and Apple Computer uh, really became my life. I loved Apple Computer. Apple worked for me. Changing the person one world at a time spoke to me. Everything I wore was Apple. One year, Cindy even had to endure our Christmas tree in the rainbow colors of the Apple. So I was obsessed. We moved here to Mercer Island in 1990 um, to be closer to Apple, which was over in Bellevue. And Cindy worked down in, in Seattle. And we became uh, members of the Mercer Island Covenant Church at the time, twice a year. We came for Christmas and Easter because everybody knows that when you're successful, the other days are foreboding, working on the house, and all the trappings of success. Well, all good things must come to an end, and by the mid-90s, my world was changing. Cindy and I were having marriage problems, and uh, Apple wasn't good for us, um, and so I ended up leaving Apple, which I loved, and needed to change the priorities of my life. God was merciful, and by that time, we were regular attenders, meaning we came every uh, week to church. And we started working with the missions program here at church and the music uh, ministries at church. But the real change came in 2009 when we took a class called the Perspectives on the Christian World Movement. There's a woman over at uh, Overlake Church, Lynn Nellis, who prayed that God would wreck our life for all the right reasons, and he did. Based on that class, we took our first trip to China, and our China ministry was born. We helped uh, Ray and Gay Brook, if you know their pathway for life. Uh, we did some adventures with them in the early days in China and helped them launch that. We ended up branding our little team the Seattle Associates, and this year we'll celebrate our 10th year of going to China. However, times are time changing again, and I continue to struggle to hear God's voice. After leaving Apple, um, I was blessed, God was gracious enough to give me a good career at Microsoft. And in 2012, I decided it was time to retire and to move to China full time. 
During that time in China, I heard two things from God. One, humble yourself, and the other, day by day. So after a year, I missed technology. I missed speaking English with people like you who understand English. And I decided it was time to come home. And I came back, and I got back into tech because that's what I do. And by the way, I wasn't getting any younger. Sydney and I now are trying to decide what to do next. Do I stay in the tech business as long as possible as the old guy? I am the old guy in tech. <laughs> or do we move to full-time Christian ministry? We really enjoy China. We now have three goddaughters who love us and call us parents there. A few months ago, I decided to join the Jesus Film Project, and I went there <clears throat> and visited a new city in China. And uh, that was fun to see how they did ministry. We do talk back or talk time here at the church. We enjoy that. We've worked with Calm. We've worked with ICF. We worked with different ministries. I'd love to go to Guatemala sometime and experience that. We went to the Franklin Graham uh, crusade and helped set up chairs and pray with people at the end. That was exciting. And the Christian Motorcycle Rally is coming up in Kansas this year, so who wouldn't want to ride to that? So there's lots of great places where I see God working, but I don't really know where I fit in. Last year, I felt the call to go down and visit Ray and Gay and do Pathway for Life in South Africa, and God simply spoke to me and said, abide in me. It was not what I was expecting to hear, and honestly, not what I wanted to hear. Not that abiding in the Lord is a bad thing, but I'd simply hope to give me the 10-year plan, right? Here's what I want you to do. So, he hasn't. <laughs> so I ask that you pray for these people. This is our trip, our folks that are going to China. Um, Ryan, who is pictured on the very bottom row, the second guy in the green shirt, he's going to be staying for a year. He went with us two years ago. He's going to be staying for a year to work at our little school there. So we now have three teachers working there. Um, I ask for your prayers that we um, show the love of Christ to our students, because that's why we do what we do when we go there. If I was 100% honest with you, I'd say I'm still frustrated not knowing which path to take. However, I'm excited to see what God has planned. I love this church, and I thank you for the 30 years of doing life together. Thank you for listening to my story. Okay, so today I'm going to be reading from the book of Acts. You can follow along in your Bibles um, or your pocket PCs or Newtons or whatever device. Someone got the Newton joke, good. I'll be reading uh, verses 2 through 6 from chapter 19 in the New American Standard Bible. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came unto them, and he began speaking in tongues and prophesying the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, I really am so glad to be here. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, my sabbatical, thank you for sending me on your time and dime. I was really, really gracious of you for, give, uh, for giving me that. Um, I traveled a lot physically, but the real uh, precious thing to me is the travel I was able to do on the inside, and 
I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in bits and pieces over this next uh, semester, this quarter. And, uh, and on September 9th, which is uh, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, I'll be, uh, in, uh, as my sermon, I'll be sharing sort of a full, fuller story of, of my sabbatical. Uh, but until then, uh, I wanted to dive into the book of Acts uh, I sort of put the sermon schedule together, and then I left, and I was so glad to see how it's been moving along, and the wonderful people that's been up here, and um, thinking through the book of Acts. I would love to add my own piece to it. The passage that uh, Mr. Shrek read for us today uh, asks this question, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And something for me is, is demystifying about the Holy Spirit. And it's integrating with something that I've come to believe about the location of authority in our lives. And I'm not sure if you've ever thought about it that way. Where does authority reside in you personally? Is it in you where you're the authority? Or is it outside of you where you are submitting and you're asking, should I? And you're asking, am I supposed to? What is somebody else's will? Is there a... uh, a kind of submission in your life and an asking, or is it you deciding? So it's the location of authority. And the way I'm talking about that is by the title, God versus God's. If you read the uh, two or three chapters that we're going to go over today, you'll see that these chapters, these verses are all about the Holy Spirit's confrontation with other gods. And the interesting thing for me is The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, he's not outside doing things, but he resides inside of Christians. You know, if I imagine a battle of God versus the gods, it's sort of external. It's happening out here. They're fighting each other directly. And yet what we see is the Holy Spirit is inside Christians. It's confronting the gods of their time. Two on-ramps to this topic. For non-Christians, I want to, uh, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times before, but one of my favorite psychiatrists, M. M. Scott Peck, he has uh, said there are four basic stages to our development as a human being. And the first stage he calls chaotic, meaning that you locate authority inside of yourself. And so you don't have to think about what you should do, what you're supposed to do, how things actually work. Reality is sort of secondary to your feelings, your will, your desires, your appetite, your compulsions, your reflexes. So you do whatever you want to do. The primary question you ask and answer is, what do I want to do? What do I feel like doing? What do I care about? What do I love? What do I think? You sit there in the seat of authority. And Scott Peck says that's the chaotic stage. Your life is chaotic. I won't go into the other three stages, but that's the first one. So if you're a non-Christian, I invite you to ask the question, is that the way I live? Is that how I operate? And is that okay with me? Can I be my own authority? For Christians, here's an on-ramp. I learned a new phrase this summer called apatheism, A-P-A as in apathy, and then theism as in God. And it means that it doesn't matter whether God exists or not because 
You live any way you want anyway. Your life looks exactly the same whether God exists or not, so it's an irrelevant question. That's apathyism, and I want to make that more specific by saying Christians who are uh, apathyists are living with authority located inside of themselves. They are their own authority. They occupy the seat of authority in their life. That's apathyism. So if you say you're a Christian, but you still don't have an external authority figure, if it's about you, and you have to look honestly at your life to determine if that's true, if that's you, then you're an apathyist, and you're not really a Christian. Because Paul says, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be baptized in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And there's a kind of dispelling and exorcism that happens where you displace yourself from the seat of authority and you put God there. And so the book of Acts specifies, how are you baptized? Repentance? Repentance is good, but that's just human effort. That's you trying to be a better you. You are still occupying the seat of authority in your life. You need the Holy Spirit in you. Now, that's a little mystical sounding. It's a little bit intangible. But what do you think? So I think about culture and society, uh, for example. I feel our culture is crying out for truth right now. Because even just last year, the primary cultural value was tolerance. And now we are so sick and tired of tolerance. Try to find news articles and blog posts and tweets with the word tolerant in it. It's really hard now. It just doesn't exist as much. We are so tired of it. We are actually grasping at reason. Why? Why should it be that way? And reason is an interesting because whenever you resort to reason, now you are looking beyond yourself, outside of yourself, to say, well, what is true? What is right? How does it make sense? And under reason, many different people can have access to this conversation. But if it's just you, I feel this way, I like this, there's no conversation. But if you say, why? What's the reason? Then everybody can have that conversation. And that's what we're craving for, a space that allows us to think our thoughts and ask the question about whether something is true or not. I think that's true. An example of this for me is uh, this phenomenon, sort of. He's, he was a Harvard psychology professor, and then he moved to the University of Toronto. He's a psychologist there. He put out some, blo- uh, put out some uh, YouTube videos of his lectures, and then he just blew up. He became so popular. He comes to Seattle all the time, and he's controversial. And if you know anything about it, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, just Google Jordan Peterson. You'll be overwhelmed with the amount of content and movement around this guy out there. But what he's offering is certainty and clarity, and he's offering an integration of myth, i.e. religion, and science. And people are loving it. And the question is, why are they so drawn to this controversial figure? Because I think he's offering certainty. He's offering reason. Some kind of authority outside of our own selves. So we have this passage. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? 
And really the point, the point is God's plan is not to control us with fear or force. That was, the, that was the law. That was just an introduction. But the whole point of it is so that he can be in, in us, inside of us. And that's the Bible's word, Lord. It means that he is the authority figure. And so I think uh, this summer I came to this idea that I think the word lordship or leader or master, like these words that we've tried to sort of substitute in, uh, doesn't quite speak as thoroughly and comprehensively enough for me. I really like the word authority, that God gets to be the author of my life, that if he has a will, that's, that's of interest to me, that there are shoulds in my life and there's ought tos, that I should have boundaries and rules governing how I live and think and move about. I don't just get to do what I want to do. Commitment. Loyalty, these are good things. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to be collaborating with our nature, our character. He wants to help cultivate our values. He wants oneness. He wants perichoresis, as we talked about last year, which is the uh, fancy word for the perfect ideal relationship that all relationships are meant to be like. That's what the Godhead has. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be included in that perichoresis, Holy Spirit in us. And so my simple question to you today is, do you want the Holy Spirit in you? Do you want authority in your life? Do you want something to submit to? Do you want a higher truth beyond yourself to live by? Do you, feel, do you want to feel a sense of call sense of calling? Or are you fine being your own authority, being your own author? Uh, the alternative, I want to give you a couple of alternatives. Number one is self-authoring, as I've been saying. You get to author yourself, your feelings, your reactions, your anxieties, your solutions to problems which are probably problematic. You can live that way. This is a very popular alter alternative. A second one is cultural values. For example, we went from tolerance, and tolerance became so unbearable, it started cannibalizing itself, and then we moved to shame. We just shame people now. So people are deathly afraid of being called out on social media or the news because now we just use shame to control people, right? And then we, or we control people by objectifying them. You're beautiful, you're valuable because you're offering something. We want to use you. These are the, these, this is the culture's values, and they're always shifting. And if that's going to be your authority. Or a third option is to have authoritarian personalities in your life, ranging from parents that you haven't even been able to get out from under of yet, even as adults, or your spouses, or pastors, or political leaders. There's a kind of vacuum left there. If you're not going to be your own author, you're not going to let culture be your author, then you need authoritarian figures in your life. People like the certainty and the black and whiteness that certain authoritarian leaders and personalities offer. So those are your three options. These are the top three options that I can see if you don't choose God. For me, I feel like no one else. There's no other person that considers me, 
that is a lover of my soul, that has my destiny in their hands. And so I choose Jesus. I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And I want the Holy Spirit to live in me. And I want to submit to him. And I want to live by values, even if I don't feel it. I want to live a life where something is pulling me forward. I want that sense of call. I'm supposed to. I'm meant to. I want that meaning and fulfillment of transcending my boring, tired self. How else will that happen? Um, I won't go into these too much, but when the Holy Spirit is in Paul's life, some really fun things happen. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 6 says this, but when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. This is an example of Paul's temper. He's a really temperamental guy. But God used that. The Holy Spirit is in him. God was Lord over his temper. It allows Paul to be adaptive. Chapter 18, verse 21. But taking leave of them, saying, I will return to you again, if God wills. He set sail from Ephesus. Get the sense that he's not quite sure, but he's moving in freedom. He's able to be adaptive because he knows God's in him. He's trusting God along the way. Collaboration, chapter 19, verse 21. Paul purposed in the spirit. He wasn't sure, but he purposed in the spirit. He's collaborating with the spirit. There's a sense of partnership and togetherness. And then conduit, a prayer, chapter uh, of power, chapter 19, verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. If you try to be powerful on your own, it doesn't work. But when you have God in you, then God can flow through you. And you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know your reach when God is in you. Uh, there's a trust. Chapter 20, verse 22. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. A life of trust. And communities are able to contradict each other. Chapter 21, verse 4. After looking up, looking up the disciples, we stay there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. So the Spirit is supposedly telling Paul to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit is supposedly telling his friends that he's not supposed to go to Jerusalem, both using God's name. But you can do that if both are trying to submit to God. At the end of the day, their loyalty is to the truth, not to their own will. And so they can do this in a safe and productive way without breaking the relationship. They're holding space together for each other because God's spirit is in them. So that's my invitation for you today. At the end, I'm going to show you a few uh, sabbatical slides, but I want, I'm going to give you a chance to say yes to God's Holy Spirit. So let's get there now. Uh, my, the first thing I did during my sabbatical uh, was um, I went backpacking in the Olympic wilderness in the coast, and I was petrified. I was so scared of bears. <laughs> uh, and then I went to California for a couple of weeks, my only time that I was by myself, and I tried my hand at stand-up comedy. That was the stage. I did it three times. Uh, I bombed three times. Um, it was really fun, though. Really fun. 
Uh, more backpacking with my family. We live in the most beautiful, most accessible part of the country. It is just ridiculous. Then I went to Texas, got to meet uh, the guy that started a paddleboard company that I love. That's him right there in his shop. Lots of in and out. And then we went to Yosemite and spent uh, some glorious uh, weeks there. It was just so beautiful. When Katie put up those slides at the end behind the song lyrics of their jagged mountains, I was like, yeah, that's me. That's who I am now. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, an amazing family, really powerful family reunion in Lake Tahoe with my extended family. I think there's 27 of us there. Number 28 is coming uh, in September. It was really fun. More hiking, Lake Tahoe, that's Emerald Bay in the background. Uh, we had some really scary things, like uh, we had car trouble that almost took us off the road, and we're still kind of recovering from that emotionally. That's me being a hero, uh, really a zero, because I couldn't do anything. We had to call the police. <laughs> uh, and Susie visited Chicago, where her parents are recovering really well. Thank you for all of your support in that, uh, and for um, your continued inquiry about that. Uh, I got to go to New York, and that's Grammy Gwen, uh, my life mentor. She is the, one of the most precious people on the planet to me, and uh, uh, it, was, it was just wonderful. <clears throat> I don't know if you visited. That's New York City. I was there, too. That's 9-11 Memorial, and I was, you know, uh, on the East Coast at the time when 9-11 happened. And so um, I have uh, just a lot of feelings. I had a lot of feelings when I visited this site. Uh, this is Wall Street. Uh, that sign is the sign of one of my best friends. He started a successful restaurant and has opened his second location called Sons of Thunder because the names are James and John, uh, Sons of Zebedee. So uh, really doing well. I got to spend time with my parents, had some incredible breakthroughs in my relationship with them. I'll share about that later. Uh, and I turned 45, had a birthday. Uh, and then Susie and I had our 21st anniversary, the Sculpture Park here in Seattle, and uh, more uh, hiking. And then I came back, and we broke ground on the elevator. <laughs> so uh, just uh, many, many thanks to the staff and others, especially Julie, who uh, did an amazing, incredible job. So. Will you bow your heads with me? As we bow our heads together, I want to ask you this very simple question that Paul asked the people who had been baptized into their own efforts to try to be good or to lead their own lives. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? You must be baptized in the name of the Lord, the author, the authority, Jesus Christ. And then he prayed for them, and then they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they finally had a resident that was worthy of their soul. They finally had a reliable leader in their life. And they were able to bear much fruit. They were able to face challenges. And they were able to be changed from the inside out. And they lived their life different and fundamentally in a different way.
So I want to ask you if that's something that you long for and you're tired of letting the culture decide how you live your life and how you make decisions and who you are. If you're tired of taking the job on yourself, I want to ask you to pray with me. God, baptize me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and give to me the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, as many people are praying and asking right now, would you fall on them and give them the gift of the Holy Spirit? We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May we be changed in Jesus' name. Amen.